Today's topic is, is one that I spoke on at, at length, I think it's maybe back in January or February, and it's one that I'm passionate about, and it's one that I've really felt like I've had great revelation from the Lord on, and then this class has been showing me how much broader the topic is than what, what my personal revelation was. So because of the class and because of the revelation, and because I think the Lord is wanting, well, I know this is true, but I think it's, it's in this moment, maybe there's some of you that are wrestling a little bit, he wants us to be absolutely free. And, and we have the opportunity to be absolutely free, but we live in this world where there's an enemy. And this enemy is constantly trying to draw us back out of being in the spirit. Okay? So... The class is called Shifting Atmospheres. Is that right, Anna? Shifting Atmospheres? And, and atmospheres in this context is a spiritual atmosphere, right? Maybe not in this room at this minute because I prayed pretty hard this morning that they couldn't be here, but there might be some bad spirits in this room right now. And there's some heavenly spirits in this room, and we know because he told us there's a heavenly, holy spirit in this place right now. The atmosphere is influencing us as individuals, our souls, our minds, our wills, and our, our minds, our will, and our emotions dramatically all the time. I've seen and had personal testimonies every week from being in the class. And, and, and the one thing it's opened my eyes to is that it's not a lifestyle for me to be conscious of the spiritual atmosphere. Sometimes when it gets me, like I'll have a selfish thought or, you know, some kind of bad thought, I have a really, I feel like I have a very good sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, like to feel the unction of the Holy Spirit, and I become aware of the thought. But not at all from a broader perspective of, why am I in a bad mood right now? Or why is somebody else in a bad mood right now? Or Anyway, so that's kind of the context. Now, I, ha- I thought of a a, a verse popped into my head that wasn't part of my message, so you won't have this, Carmen. I'll just read it. It's Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. I just want to read this one to you, and then we'll go on with the message. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not excuse me, accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid... (laughs) I pray against the spirit of hiccups in Jesus' name, amen. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. See, what's happening, because my perspective, and and others too, our perspective is being opened up, I'm, I'm being conscious to train my senses. What am I sensing and sensing is asking Holy Spirit, what's going on? Why is this happening in this? And I get real words. Like I got one this morning. There was a situation going on during worship, and I asked for a word, Lord, and it was a word that I'm, I mean, it's never in my vocabulary, so I feel pretty confident it was a spirit that the Lord was looking for me to take authority over in his name. We have to practice so that we're trained to be able to discern good and evil so that we can bring about the atmosphere of heaven everywhere that we go. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, now, I want to show you a video. The video will help you understand the two words for the day. Remember what the two words for the day were? 
Stop it. That's right. It's a funny video. You should laugh at this video. You might consider it a little bit of an insensitive video, and, and in some ways it is, but I, I'm, I'm going to use it as a launching point to make the points that are in today's sermon. So I want you to look at the people in the video. I want you to hear their words, the interaction that's going on. You could even think of, of the man in the video as kind of somebody in ministry and the lady in the video as somebody receiving ministry, okay? All right. <laughs> okay, play the video. There's some truth in that. Probably not the most excellent approach to ministry and counseling, but if you've done much of it, sometimes you want to say, listen, we, this is the 27th time. You just need to stop it. All right, so where are we going with all that? This, this lady, for our purposes, is a Christian. Let's just believe she's born again. She has the Holy Spirit. She's struggling to find him, but she has the Holy Spirit. Her life is both um, ridiculous, right, but it's tragic. She, she said things like, I start thinking about, and he said, stop it. You don't want to go through life like that. And she's like, yeah, it's frightening. But she doesn't really want to stop. There, there's a thing. I never really understood it for the longest time. And I only feel like I'm starting to understand it now. That, that people who deal in deliverance ministry call familiar spirits. You've, you've come, you not you, you know, the other ones. But the people, they come under the influence of a particular spirit that, that has an understanding of a weak area in their soul. And then they fight it and they fight it and they fight it and they fight it and they fight it. But it's so familiar to them. They have trouble separating themselves from the the spirit that's messing with them. And that's what this lady's problem is. She's got all these ways that she reasons. She's like, um, I stick my finger down my throat. He's like, stop it. She says, well, but I'm compelled. Well, she's sitting in front of him because she doesn't want to stick her finger down her throat. What in the world is compelling her? It's not her. Right? She doesn't want to stick her finger down her throat, but she's compelled. Where's the compelling coming from? She's getting help, right? She's, she's got self-destructive relationships with men. She's, she's lonely, and she would like to have a man in her life, except she, she blows it up every time she has a relationship with a man. It makes no sense. It's like, stop it. You want to have a man? I do. But you blow up the relationship all the time. Yeah. Well, stop it. That's stupid. What? Are you crazy? Are you a kook? I think that's what he said. I'm going to get ahead of myself. She reasons, I'm compelled. My mother called me fat. I have these dreams. But my horoscope, just stop it. Just stop it. She's the way she is because she's getting help to be the way she is. The help that she's getting is demonic. I'm telling you, it is demonic. I mean, she's a, she's a character in a skit. But she, in real life, is getting help, and it's demonic. And, and she's not mature in her ability to discern good and evil. And she's giving over her soul, not like in an eternal sense necessarily, although the ultimate objective of those that are helping her to be miserable is to claim back her soul for Satan, at the very least to get her to doubt and, and not believe the truth that's in God. How can it be true? Christianity doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Because I was miserable when I came to him, and I'm still miserable now. How can Christianity work? Because someone's fighting against the truth. Let me start here. John eight thirty one and 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, that's an important point, who had believed him, 
If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, the ultimate expression of the truth is saving truth. It's the truth that says you're a sinner and you're lost. Your eternity is in with the devil and ultimately the lake of fire. You will not spend eternity with God. The truth is that Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God, sacrificed for your sins so that you would no longer be a slave to sin anymore and that you could be reconciled to God and have eternal relationship with him in heaven. That's the ultimate truth. But the truth that follows that ultimate truth is what's tormenting this lady when she believes this, yet that's the truth. Ultimately, what the devil is doing or or his minions is to attack her in her identity, just like he did in the garden, right? Adam, Eve, where are you? We're over here. Why are you over there? Because we're naked. (laughs) Turns out you were always naked. Who told you you were naked? How come all of a sudden, what's the influence that caused you to want to hide yourself from God? Because you had help to think in your identity different than what God said your identity was. So, so primarily for most of us and for the lady in the video, he's attacking her identity. If I have a relationship with a man and I don't blow it up, eventually he's going to blow it up and that'll hurt worse than if I blew it up. So I'm going to blow it up first. And, and that's a suggestion that she's getting. You notice the, the, the big words, the if, the then, the and, and the and, right? If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, which implies that if you don't, then you're not. And then you don't get the and, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. See, the, the, the very gist of today's message is you have to decide what your truth is. And then, like he said to the Jews who had believed him, you have to continue despite the help that you're getting to stay away from God's truth, to, to disengage from God's truth. You have to continue in his truth. You have to decide what your truth is. You really do. And, and, and in the world's logic, I, I should have looked up some of these scriptures. They, they were flowing in my head. But in the world's logic, you're nutty when you believe biblical truth. Except in the end, wisdom proves itself to be true, right? Okay, so let's go now to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our struggle is with demons. It sounds weird. Like, you're going to go out and at lunch, at, at your work, you're sitting out with your coworkers, you say, you know what, I didn't understand all my problems are demons. They're going to say, well, besides you being crazy... Maybe your problems are demons. But your problems are demons, and guess what? Their problems are demons too. Because God loves everybody. God loves the people that are saved, and God loves the people that aren't saved. And God blesses everybody. Matter of fact, he's more... This, now, this is the, 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 the gospel according to Pat a little bit. But he's more apt to bless disobedience in an unbeliever then he will ever bless disobedience in a believer because they've never given their lives to him right so 
He doesn't expect anything but bad behavior from them. He loves them. He wants to bless them. He may never have another opportunity after they pass from this life into the next one to bless them. His sunshine and his rain falls on their garden just like it falls on your garden. But for us, he can't bless disobedience because we'll get to thinking it's okay to be disobedient. That's greasy grace, and it doesn't exist from God. The battle is against demons. You have to decide that you believe the battle is against demons. It's not against each other. It's against each other because it it feels like it's against each other because sometimes the demon is influencing somebody else to act in a way that's painful to you. But the issue is not the person. The issue is the influence. The enemy is not even ourselves. Can you imagine someone who has that lady's situation probably in the quiet of her own home by herself, hating herself, feeling like she's her own worst enemy? She's just part of that same deal. He's influencing her. And she's mad at herself because she keeps blowing up her relationships or because she just ate dinner and stuck her finger down her throat. She's not the issue. The demon is the issue. Her primary struggle is with demons. Her secondary struggle is with her ability or willingness to actually battle them. That's a big deal. Because there's been times in my life where I know... I'm dealing with a demon, and I don't fight the fight. Eventually, I don't know, it works itself out or who knows what, but in the moment, I've chosen not to fight the fight because it takes energy. It really does take energy to do spiritual warfare. 1 Peter 5.8, be of sober spirit, be on the alert, your adversary. This is Peter, God, speaking through Peter to the church your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's his deal. He's looking for somebody to have for lunch. He's having this poor lady for lunch every single day. Second Corinthians ten three through five. I'm just wanting you. I'm wanting you, and maybe you already have, but just in case, I'm wanting you to decide that the battle is with the demons. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You know what the lady's issue is? Fortresses. She has come into agreement with the lies of the enemy in her life to the place where his truth about her is now her truth about her. And God's truth about her is nowhere to be found because she's come into agreement. Really, all spiritual warfare is about, I mean, this is probably too simple, but, but in, in its very, very essence is who are you going to agree with? Whose voice are you going to agree with? Well, if you don't understand there's multiple voices in the conversation, it's going to be hard for you to discern the voice of your soul versus the voice of the angel of light versus the one that masquerades as an angel of light. Go back to Ephesians 6 now in 1 Peter 5. Ephesians 6, remember, we don't battle against flesh and blood. These powers and principalities and authorities, they're literally strata. They're um, like organizational structure of demons. There's little demons and there's big demons. There are demons that have been given authority over small things and demons that have like principalities over huge like parts of the world. Remember in the book of Daniel, he said a prayer to God and then he fasted waiting for the answer from God. And after, was it 21 days? 
21 days, the angel shows up. And he says, hey, listen, the minute that you prayed, God heard your prayer and dispatched me with the answer. But I got tied up with the prince of Persia, who was a demonic principality. And literally, God's angel, to bring the answer from heaven to, to um, Daniel, I was going to say David, to Daniel, got tied up until the senior prince, Michael, was dispatched from heaven to to bust on the prince of Persia so that he could get through and bring the answer. There was a battle going on in the heavenlies. The principality is a huge, powerful demon. That's what he's talking about in Ephesians 6. Now, he goes on and he says, here's what you do. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If you take away all the pictures, this is the armor of God. Truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, like the knowledge of salvation, and the word of God. That's what we have to do battle with the demons. Righteousness. It's not a breastplate, it's righteousness. It's a picture that Paul is painting for us. When we walk in righteousness, guess what? No opportunity for the devil. Jesus said, let's go. The one is coming, but he has nothing in me. Why? Because Jesus walked in perfect righteousness. He never made any opportunity for the devil to have anything in him. No hook for him to pull on inside of Jesus. The armor is truth. All of it boils down to truth. Then he says... I don't remember reading it. Did I read stand firm? I did. It's at the beginning. Stand firm. He says, stand firm. Stand firm in what? What do you stand in? Which is truth. When you stand firm, you are standing in truth. But my mom called me fat. Fat, skinny. What's fat or skinny? I'm, tell my wife not to listen. I'm five foot eight, maybe five foot nine. And pretty close to 240 pounds. I don't feel very skinny. But I know a guy who's five foot eight and 340 pounds. He looks at me, he sees skinny, right? What is skinny? What is fat? God says that, that beautiful is a, is, a, is a position of the heart. So, so you can compare yourself with all the things that you want to, but when you compare yourself with beauty as it would be reflected in your heart, right? That's beauty that you should aspire to. Because someday, your beauty of 21 is going to be a different beauty physically at 41 or 61 or 81 or 101. You can't control it. But what you can control is the inner beauty of the heart. That's what God's calling us to. And you know what? If you had the most, if you're a man and you had two ladies that you were courting, and one of them had the most, you know, in your mind, whatever the most perfect physical attributes were, and the other one didn't. And this one, nasty. In a personality. And this one, beautiful heart. Absolutely wonderful, godly, Jesus-like heart. You could spend some time with this one, but you can't spend too much time with this one. You can't look past nasty. But 
the physical things, you don't even notice it anymore. When you see the beauty that's inside, the beauty of Christ inside a person, you don't, you don't see the outside anymore because the inside is so enamoring. Jesus, it says in uh, Isaiah, he's like, if Jesus walked by you, you wouldn't even notice him because he wasn't given to be that kind of attractive because people needed to be attractive to his truth, not to his stature. I'm all over the place. Forgive me. We stand firm in the truth. That lady would say, but, right? If, if you were ministering to her, you'd say that, and she'd say, but. And, and then she'd say something like, but I feel, or but I don't feel. But, but I feel fat. It's like, that's when you use the two. Stop it. What does the word say? What does God say? I don't know. I just know I don't feel beautiful. Stop it then you need to open the book and see what Bible says about you. There is a man who took the most horrible, horrible thrashing, flogging, guts hanging out, nailed to a cross, spat upon, beard pulled out of his face, crown of thorns jammed into his head because he thinks you're so worthy. What in the world are you getting your beauty from a magazine? Stop it. You have to stop it. We're all influenced this way. I'm not speaking to you and not speaking to myself, but you've got to decide. If you spend all your time at the gym and all your time in the beauty shop, and I'm, you know, poor ladies, I'm picking on you because guys, I don't know, there's, maybe there's no hope in that regard. But, <laughs> but the point is, you're never going to be beautiful and you're always going to be insecure because you're not cultivating the garden of true beauty. The lady would want to reason, but my mom, but my horoscope, but my this, but my that. We don't reason with the truth. We acknowledge the truth. And then we do battle with the lies. If you go now to, to 1 Peter 5, 9 again, but resist him firm in your faith. Faith is truth. What, what, what is that truth that's faith? It's our conscious decision to believe God. That's all faith is, right? It's interesting, though. Faith has a sub... It, it, is, it is the substance... The substance of something that has no tangible substance until it proves itself to be true. And then what you have is testimony, and you have experience, and all of a sudden it has a substance that's different than just, I trust God and I believe him. But you've got to trust God and you've got to believe him. And then you start to pray for a sick person and they get healed. Holy smokes. There's a substance, and the substance is now actually in the hand of God moving. It's in, Lord, the devil's in my head. He's like, hey, you don't collect enough money to pay your bills. What are you doing? I'm going to give all your money to the Nazarene church. Faith says, God will give us more money, and then God demonstrates his faith and gives us the money before we even start because he knows where we're weak, and he knows where we're being attacked, but we still have to choose to agree with him. Okay, um... So let me go back to 2 Corinthians 10. I want you to think about what's going on with this lady. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Fortress equal untruth in our head. We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, truth. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, truth. So what's going on with this lady? She's in a spiritual battle. She gets demonic suggestions that lead to speculations. Unchallenged speculations lead to fortresses. Fortresses cloud the truth, 
leading to more speculation, leading to more and stronger fortresses, and round and round and round you go until the only answer a guy's got for you is just stop it. You just need to stop it. He is so tricky and so crafty, the enemy, that if you don't, we don't immerse ourselves in the truth, we will not be able to stand firm against the lies. And we'll get to this place of doubting God and and wondering about ourselves and wondering about our salvation and is God real and is God true? And the issue is we didn't stand firm because we had nothing to stand with. You've got to read your Bible. You really do. Holy Spirit will build in you such a fortress of strength that when those lies come, you'll have something to fight back with. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The lady's problem. Literally, irrational fear. Has anybody ever locked you up in a box and buried you? No, no, never had that experience. Anybody ever threatened to? He was the first one. Anybody ever threatened to put you in a box and bury you alive? No. It's an irrational fear. It's an irrational fear. His solution, stop it. Ladies' response, I can't. Doctor's solution, stop it. Ladies' response, I've been, it's been with me since childhood. What's missing in both of their parts? Her missing is she doesn't believe she can stop it. Remember, in in our little story, she's a Christian lady. She can stop it. What he's missing is any understanding or concern for the root of why she thinks like that and the how of how she overcomes it. His answer is stop it. And, And quite frankly, in the Holy Spirit, you can. You're just not likely to because you have to understand the root. There's a ministry, the the. The lady who wrote the book that, that Anna and Lisa are teaching from is uh, also the woman who's the, the head of this Sozo ministry that they have, and we have actually. Lisa and uh, her partner do numerous Sozos. Teresa has done numerous Sozos. Sozo is just, it's a word that you would find, it's a Greek word that you would find in the Bible translated to salvation, to healing, to deliverance, to made well. Sozo. The transliteration is S-O-Z-O. What Sozo does is the Holy Spirit helps you to find the root. Remember I told you the story about I had a Sozo one time and, and the Lord gave me this word. Um, the word was shame. I mean, nobody's telling me anything. They're just helping me to pray and to ask. It's a really beautiful ministry. And I had shame. I, don't, never, I never thought of myself as a sh- person who carried shame. We asked Holy Spirit, where did this shame come from? And Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, you've heard this before, but I'm telling you, I watched a movie. I'm sitting in a chair, and all of a sudden, in my mind's eye, somehow, I'm watching a movie of me at like nine years old. I'm in the middle, we lived on a street, one block long, 40-foot lots, little, you know, 900-square-foot houses, lots of kids. Kids from one end of the street, kids from my end of the street, kid from that end, and me in the middle of this big circle of kids. And he hauls off, and he pops me right in the face, splits open my lip, and makes my nose bleed. I didn't hit him back. And the demon, little boy, I don't know Jesus from anybody, starts to tell me I'm a wimp, I'm a sissy, uh, I'm, I'm not tough. And I carried that my whole life until that sozo. I would have never known except for Holy Spirit got me to the root. He showed me. Now, see, now because the root has been dealt with, I don't have shame. I could care less. I'd probably kick the guy's butt if he showed up today. <laughs> except I'd give him the other cheek but not out of fear, out of obedience, right? right? 
The point is, I'm going to carry that thing forever, and I might just stop it, however shame was manifesting in my behavior with other people, until he poked at that thing again and got me to respond, and then I would feel bad, and then I would repent, and I would say, God, what's wrong with me? Am I really a Christian? How come I blah, 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 blah? Because this guy doesn't understand that the poor lady has come into agreement with the devil. And until she understands those places in her identity that are disconnected from Jesus, she's going to be easy fodder, no matter how hard she tries in the Holy Spirit, to not behave that way. So her issue is she doesn't really think she can stop it. His issue is he doesn't want to minister to her to the place of actually getting her healed so that when the devil pricks at those things that she's come into agreement with, he's, there's nothing for him to hold on to anymore because she's delivered. We think of deliverance like, some, like the demoniac of the Gerasenes and he's got a legion of demons that all end up in the pigs. Deliverance is just, I believe something. I mean, it could be, right? People do get delivered from having a demon that way. But deliverance is, I don't agree with the lie that you've been telling me for however long you've been telling it to me and you don't have a hook in my life anymore to cause me to act outside of Christ. All this is why we need Holy Spirit. That's good, we have him. We need scripture, and we need each other. Because sometimes we have a blind spot. Matter of fact, in the area of fortresses, we got a huge blind spot. Because if it wasn't a blind spot, we'd deal with it, right? I mean, we're blind to the fortress. I love when Anna and Lisa are teaching. Like, Anna had a thing the other day. I, I won't go into the details, but she had a thing. She woke up in the morning, and she was, she was having a bad thoughts about something, and, and she was doing battle with it, but couldn't get there. She called Lisa. They prayed. Lord, what's going on? And they get a word. They pray into the word. Bam, you get this stuff dealt with. That's what happened. I told you the testimony of me and Teresa the other day, where he had to first show me my own. I had to confess it. I had to repent from it. All of a sudden, I could minister, not even face-to-face, for my wife. And what he was, the devil was messing with her, he gave, he gave me the words. Two or three different words. I prayed against that stuff. Fifteen minutes later, she comes out the door and she says, you did something. I mean, she didn't have a happy face before. She came out with a happy face. She said, you did something. I'm like, I did. God led me right down the path. And I took that demon and I poked him in the eye and he's gone. And now we can be right with each other again. I had to poke my own eye demon first, right? I mean, okay, yes, right. Most of the time it's like I have all these great testimonies of me and she's like, give me a good testimony sometime. (laughs) Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Ultimately from the power of sin, but progressively from lies. The truth is that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You have to believe there's a thief. You have to believe he's about trying to kill, steal, and destroy everything that's good in your life, everything that connects you to God. The truth is that Jesus came that we might have life in abundance. The truth is you can stop it, but not likely if you won't address it. You have to be able to humble yourself before the Lord and see where you're getting manipulated so that you can address it You can break that hold and you can get free in that area of your life. Fat is not that lady's issue. Being buried alive in a box is not that lady's issue. That lady's issue is 
what's true and what's not and where she finds her truth. See, she was finding her truth from the demon, right? He was suggesting to her. You got to understand that a whole bunch of the thoughts that are in our minds are not from God and they're not our own, but they're in our head. So the devil wants us to take them as if they're our own. And then if they're nasty thoughts, he wants us to hate ourselves because we had them in there because we're such bad people thinking that's bad. They're like, shut up. It's your thought. You're nasty and you're evil, and I'm not going to have your thought in my mind anymore. I know your thought's not true because I know what the Bible says. I know what God says about me. And I'll get there in a minute. Maybe I'll get there now. I was going to read to you Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of... I guess I am reading it to you. <laughs> I may pro- that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is acceptable and perfect. The world wants to define fat. God says beauty is defined in the heart. What or who will define how we see ourselves? Ephesians 4.21. I won't read you the whole thing, but basically it says, lay aside the old self. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, right? What the spirit that your mind is listening to. Which one? The old man was dead, and he listened to the bad spirit. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Is that Holy Spirit or is that bad spirit? Is that a spirit masquerading as an angel of light or is it the angel of light? So that you should put on the new man. And the new man, that your new man, whether you believe it or not, and you need to believe it, this is your new man. He was created... In the likeness of God, in righteousness and holiness and truth. But it's a choice. Are you going to keep putting on the old man or are we going to put on the new man? Are we going to be renewed in the spirit of our mind or are we going to be tormented in the spirit of our mind? We have to decide. And then we have to be able to discern. That's what the Hebrew scripture was, that by practice, oh, you got me that time, but I'm conscious of that now. You're not going to get me the next time in that regard. Because by practice, using our senses, we discern good from evil. We can do that. We do do that. Um, the final scripture I'll read to you is James 4, 7. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he, the devil, will flee from you. I could tell you testimony after testimony in my own life of that where he actually fleed from me. I've told him to you before, where I have a bad thought in my mind, I cannot get it out of my mind. I submit to God by just, mine is Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I submit my mind to God in the scriptures. And then I get halfway through Psalm 23. I know why I'm reciting it, because it's how I submit to God and how I resist the devil. But I literally cannot remember what the bad thought, I mean, I can't. It's so gone out of my mind that I don't, was it a lustful thought? Was it a prideful thought? Was it a selfish thought? Was it, seriously, God. And you know what he told me the first time that happened? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And that's what happened. He wasn't in there anymore. It was never my thought. And it's gone to the point where I have no recollection recollection of it. Recollection of it. Submit to God. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to the truth. You submit with the truth. You resist with the truth. And then finally, we must decide because. Decide what? Decide what is going to be our truth. Because unknown truth sets no one free. You can't be born again unless that you confess Jesus. If you don't know the truth of the gospel, there's no freedom. Right? You can't be not like this lady in your life 
unless you know the truth about what God says. So unknown truth can't set you free, and unacknowledged truth cannot set you free, right? So if I don't know it, it can't help me. If I know it, like I have this terrible fear that I'm going to be buried alive in a box. That's frightening. Has anybody ever buried you alive in a box? No. Has anybody threatened to bury you alive in a box? No. Is there any likelihood that you would ever be buried alive in a box? No, but I'm paralyzed by this. Why? Because the truth is you're not going to be buried alive in a box, but you're not acknowledging the truth. So unknown truth doesn't buy you anything. Unacknowledged. Truth that's not acknowledged doesn't buy us anything. So the point of today's message, we'll pray, and if anybody needs a stool anymore, if anybody needs prayer, let us know so we can pray with you. Somebody can pray with you. Take a minute. Ask the Lord. Are there areas of my life where I'm either ignorant to the truth or I'm choosing not to acknowledge the truth? Literally, right now, ask him. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, Father in heaven, are there places in my life where I'm choosing something other than the truth? Are there fortresses in my mind? Or do do I doubt general truth like if i have i chosen to say like because it seems foolish to me the world will make fun of me that there's i mean demons give me a break you know it's almost halloween we'll see all the little goblins and demons lord if i'm not acknowledging the truth how in the world am i going to fight the fight help me to break the hold of lies i promise you if you ask the lord where am i struggling Where are the biggest struggles in my life? There's a lie buried someplace. There's a root that Holy Spirit wants to expose so that you can say, I disagree with you in this area, Satan. And I agree with God in this area of me. Father, thank you so much. Thank you that you've given us truth. Thank you that Jesus literally is truth. He is the word of God. Come in the flesh. Thank you that you've given us everything we need. You've given us your word. You've given us your son as a sacrifice. And you've given us Holy Spirit to lead us to all truth. Help us, Lord, to be disciplined in our walk, to decide that it's important. Give us a a sense of hope for ourselves. And and if, Lord, if we're in a great place, then, then give us the opportunity to help somebody else to walk in the truth, that they might be free that they might glorify you in their testimony of freedom, that this lady, whoever this lady is in all of us, Lord, that we would get free from the lies of the enemy, that we would say no to speculation. If it, if it seems right, but it doesn't agree with your truth, it's not right. That we won't harbor speculations. We won't let the devil have any opportunity to lay a foundation for a fortress in our minds. And the ones that may have been found in there, Lord, we we renounce any agreement we've had with his lies. And we ask that you bring the truth like a sledgehammer, like a wrecking ball to just destroy the fortresses that are binding us up and, and, and causing us to be shackled to anything but the abundant life and the city on a hill beauty that you've chosen for your church in this world, Lord. We just praise you and we thank you and we honor you. We ask you, God, to open the scriptures. We ask you to give us knowledge and understanding. We seek the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding that's in your scriptures. 
pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen.